0: friends welcome to the Laity Podcast. And this is there you go. how do you have that on how do you have that on on deck ready to go? <laughs> it's, it's what it's, app is that? It's, it's a it's a Chrome extension. Oh my gosh, but it doesn't beat this. <laughs> you reprogrammed <laughs> the tilde, which is a useless symbol that no one ever uses. <laughs> to just rock the air horn? <laughs> exactly. But do you have the drama capability for all those jokes you're you're dropping (laughs) um dude shout out to Zencaster. am i right no i uh (laughs) i we got to get a sponsorship everybody hey welcome to, to the podcast we don't have a guest uh we would never embarrass ourselves like this if we did um with this kind of level of disrespect like that steven has for me um as i'm trying to intro um but hey guys it's great to Man, it's great to have you on board with us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Excited about this one uh, in different ways. Um, we wanted to carve out some space to have some, hopefully, organic dialogue around uh, what this next series and sort of focus of the podcast is going to be over the next three weeks-ish. Or I should say three episodes, probably over you know about a month. Um, and before we get into exactly... What that subject matter is, and we'll probably even talk. You know, tee up some of our guests towards the end of the episode. Wanted to carve out, call it, you know, thirty minutes or so, just for Stephen and I to dialogue. And
1: uh, we've never been able to keep it
0: at thirty minutes. We'll see what happens. We'll do our best. (laughs) Um, So, besides like blowing air horns, what's what's new in your life? (laughs) Uh, You're turning thirty soon. I'm turning thirty very soon. In
1: like like seventy two hours. Yeah.
0: Give our list. So we talked about this a little bit. Stephen for anyone who doesn't know Stephen is uh he's a he's deep waters man super smart as you all know well spoken energetic passionate but also like this guy is a thinker and um you know has everything good bad and ugly that comes with that including i think you just thinking really intentionally you know <laughs> planned or unplanned about like okay i'm turning 30 that means like, what does that mean for like where I'm going and where where I'm at now and what's going on? And can you actually give our, our folks like a little bit of insight into just kind of your thinking around that. And even if you want to share, I'd be interested in kind of hearing some of your intentions, even going into this next season of life and how you're thinking about what you space you want to carve out for yourself in terms of spiritual formation.
1: Gosh, man. Yeah. (laughs) It feels kind of silly. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm 30. It's not a big
0: well, pretend it's like, like 50. Yeah,
1: exactly. But, you know, uh, I guess I'm sort of coming to the realization that maybe it's time to accept the fact that I actually am an adult. Uh, yes. You know how that is. It's it's just weird. Like, there's always there's always milestones ahead of, oh, you know, when we, I don't know, finish high school or finish college or get the first job or get married or the, have the first kid or the second kid or the third kid or buy the house or, like, all those mile markers are behind me now. Uh which is just strange. So it's weird to um you know I mean I remember turning twenty and these ten years went really fast. And so I, I yeah, you know, I guess it's uh I feel yeah, a little uh I don't know, a little melancholy about it. Uh
0: yeah. <laughs> little- well, I love how you're like you're carving out time. You just mentioned like carving out specific time to I don't know, I feel like do some of your own inner work but also set a groundwork in terms of family, in terms of service, in terms of like, what what sort of themes and things are you, do you feel like you're attuned to now that you weren't 10 years ago that, you know, you want to explore more that you you feel is sort of the next phase of of life?
1: Oh man. So the, my, the Brian, the Brian's on, Brian's on preached a sermon. I think this must've been like uh, a, it was during Advent or something uh, a couple of years ago. And and there was a quote from it that has just stuck with me. And, I've, and it's been kind of in my mind lately. Uh, and he, he says that life is not a competitive game to be won, it is a gift to be given. And I, so my Myers Briggs, if you're into that kind of thing, I'm INTJ, TJ, uh, pathologically strategic maybe trying to always like plan the next move think ahead i mean how many conversations have you and i had about like dude i'm just trying oh, to totally. think like you know three years from now i gotta do these things
0: <laughs> yeah endless conversations
1: yeah. right so uh I, I'm, I'm i'm in that space all the time uh trying to think you know 10 20 whatever steps down the road and then um i don't know my, my wife got us in really into the Enneagram here lately and I'm I'm that's been a lot of fun. She's really been learning a lot about it and we've had some great conversations and uh I'm I'm I am slow to fully like lean into what I think a number what well, my number is I feel like I haven't spent enough time with it yet. But so far, uh it feels like five is the number uh which also has sort of a, a in that model sort of a uh in a, a tendency to to be with somewhat withdrawn and kind of stuck in your head and uh, have a hard time right. engaging emotionally. And so between my, my sort of the, the competitiveness that I, that I tend to feel, and then also my kind of emotional withdrawal or my, uh, I don't know, what's the term? My, um, my reluctance to really sort of open myself up and give of myself. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what is it really, what would it actually mean to, to, to live my life? As if it were a gift to be given. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't know what does that look like practically. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I've been wanting to do. I used to be a big journaler. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I've always done well. I feel like when I when I when I do it regularly, it's helpful for me to think. Um, so I'm going to be doing some things. Uh, you know, hopefully, writing more letters for my kids and my wife and kind of channeling my journaling energies maybe in that direction uh yeah i have I have started now i'm two days in a row with getting right out of bed and going to work out which is it just sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh but it's good um i mean um it's also sobering you know i mean you don't uh i'm not 20 i'm not you know 18 i'm not 25 i'm not 29 hardly anymore so it's pretty um I I think it's just got me wanting to live more intentionally, especially I think as my view of God has shifted over the years and kind of adopting more of this idea that God is somehow maybe in his essence, emptying, he he is, he is, he is, he is giving self emptying love. And if I'm to be made in his image and somehow me being fully human means me being more and more conformed into that image, then if my life doesn't start to take on that, that, uh, posture, or if that's the right term, you know, if, if, if I don't really start you sure. know, living more into that, what am I, what am I really doing?
0: Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, some of Richard Rohr's work on second half of life oh, language yeah. in, in, uh, falling upward. He d- He's talked about it in many places, but in, in falling upward specifically, So thanks for sharing that I think is really relevant. And a lot of our listeners who are in a similar, you know, demographic and stage of life, probably can, can relate in some ways. I know I can. Um, I'm just six months behind you, but, um, we, you, you talk about frameworks of God or sort of ways of thinking about God, models of, of thinking about God. And I think that's something we want to dive into in the next you know few minutes here on this intro episode to what is really a broader conversation in one or two particular camps, uh, in terms of framing, you know, or, or frameworks about you know, thinking about God. Um, One of the things, so we, you and I were talking earlier. What you know, the question that I kind of thought of amidst this this broader conversation we're going to get into is why and when do our frameworks of God start to shift, and what both what prompts it, and you know what does it look like for that shift to begin to happen. And when I say frameworks of God, and Stephen, I want your thoughts on this too. But really what I'm talking about is kind of fundamental understandings of, um, God's attributes, uh, actions, what he does and doesn't do his, you know, kind of his, his power or lack thereof his values. Um, and really within that, it kind of includes both his heart, if you will, and actions. And in, in thinking about what is, open the door, what has led to broader ways of thinking about God, I, I, I'll chime in on that in a second. But I, I think for our listeners, for a lot of people that have been either any sort of like deconstructive stage or rethinking due to, you know, their own choice or, you know, no choice of their own. I think this idea of rethinking who God even is and how he operates is really at the foundation of a lot of it. Yeah. And wreck Like, is she even a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> oh totally. exactly. no, I know. I even hesitate say saying he, I'm like, is that like, is it, yeah, is she even, no, exactly. Like, is there, but honestly, it's like, wow, I, is he even a he? And is he even like, what do we do with this version we see in the Hebrew scriptures versus this new Testament version versus Jesus incarnate and, um, this, there's, you start to realize like, wow, there's actually different perspectives and ways of thinking about this. And it dramatically impacts how you understand the story of the gospel, the narrative of scripture, the role of the scriptures, um, and, you know, a number of things like that. So I, I just gave a whole soliloquy, but anything you'd add in terms of framing out what we mean by kind of frameworks of thinking about God. And I'd be curious to put you on the spot again, um, how you mentioned, you gave us some insight, uh, but how this whole conversation has become relevant in your life, even over the last couple of years.
1: When I think about frameworks of God, I I think it's an important conversation because, I mean, God, God inherently is like the transcendent. So that being the case, like we don't really have any other way of of thinking of him than with models and frameworks and, and 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 metaphors and and all these different things that in themselves are not complete, but hopefully somehow by you know f- using a lot of them and 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 sitting in the tension between them, we can begin to 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 come into contact with something real, right? Um, so uh, I I think it's relevant though because often um, we just we're, we're we're, we're, I don't know, introduced to one particular framework at, at a stage in life. And then uh, we find profound depth and meaning and, 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 and value in, in, in being introduced to that. But then uh, another stage comes along and all of a sudden that framework actually becomes really problematic uh, for, for that stage. And so that, well, then what happens, right? I mean, that, that this is where people were like, well, you know, if God, you know, if, if uh, I I can't, I don't believe in a God because, you know, there's so much suffering in the world or whatever. Like, I mean, someone who could, you know, maybe have had faith early on and found comfort in God being all powerful and, and all good and all loving, and then has whatever experiences in their life that sort of introduce them just to the magnitude of suffering in the world and the kind of, yeah you know, just gross injustice. Uh, yeah, actually, that those notions of of an all-powerful God actually can become very problematic and and sort of the grounds on which they leave altogether. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's important that along the way that we do sort of open ourselves up to what these various models have to offer.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I think, you know, you gave that example of suffering. It also, you know, when you think about how much does God know right? Like how much does he have, he have knowledge of past, present. So you grow up for, if you're like me, you grow up with, frankly, a lot of like either cliches or just sort of these one-off lines that you kind of just accept at face value. Like, well, yeah, God, you know, God's outside of time so he can see like past, present, and future. Or he, you know, Jesus knew like, you know, God sent Jesus and knew that, you know, this is exactly what happened. He, pre, you know, so this idea of predestination, yep. Which non-Calvinists will sort of scoff at, like, oh, I don't believe in predestination. But there's actually a kind of predetermined, like, like what is predetermined? Because it's, I think it's in that's within a lot of frameworks. Like there is some sort of predetermined, pre-knowing. Yeah. Um, does God really know your future? Right. And if he does, like does God know exactly how this thing is gonna play yeah. out, or does he have options in front of him? And and if he does, let's say he does. What does that have to say about our own agency? Like what what actually are we influencing? Do we actually have agency to change the path? Is it kind of like, well, if you go the right path, this is how it'll work out. Or, Or you have an ideal path in front of you that God has laid out and you can either choose to figure it out and land there or not. And it gets in, I think that gets into a conversation I've had 210 times with people over the years about God's will. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, what is what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for, you know, the, the my future or the broader church or the broader world? And there's a lot, man, there's a lot to unpack there because I think there there's just so many your understandings of what God can and cannot and does and does not do directly impact that. Or
1: think about, I mean, how, like how much how much uh uh People's prayer lives a lot of times, or is 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 predicated oh, yeah. on like they're 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 being a, a a a specific path that, that 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 God wants us to take, and you know there's a lot of energy and time, and I mean I'm I'm not this is not necessarily saying the same. I'm just saying that there's that's one option among some of the other options that we can talk about. Um, but that that's you know that gets that gets pretty difficult. Or or when you watch those like late night, you know healing. Uh,
0: like televangelists, TV, all that late TV, night we're watching. TV.
1: Yeah,
0: there's a, oh yeah, <laughs> all that late night healing.
1: <laughs> a, oh yeah. So there's a man. They're like, I mean, it's it's always you know someone's like backache or something that gets you know healed, or someone you know can their 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 leg felt funny and now they can walk around. It's never like you know someone's stage four tumor, right? Uh, I mean. So the, all kinds of, of of interesting tensions and questions come up. And I think for people to live authentically uh, in a world like ours, some people are going to have to explore these different models. Not everybody. Some people are pretty content where they are. And that's, I mean, that's fine. I think that, you know, we can be in fellowship and, and there can be that kind of diversity like we talk about. But we also want... People yeah. know, that, you know that there's actually there's a lot of space and, and space and 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 to to quote Dan Koch who this is if, if our folks have not checked out his latest podcast it's called You Have Permission you need to stop this immediately and go listen to like all of his episodes and then come back uh, yeah he said his his whole his podcast is titled You Have Permission so you have permission to engage with these different models of God because that's really all we have access to as models I mean not. I think we have access to right. God, but when it comes to trying to describe and put language and, 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 and communicate and think about him because he's transcendent, we don't have access to everything uh, about her.
0: Right? <laughs> right. That's interesting. And I think when it comes to, like, I love that point you made about prayer. Cause that's, you know, like for me, like speaking for myself, I become increasingly uncomfortable, not even so much with the healing stuff or prayer, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I guess it's that sometimes, but just language around like in public prayer, like be it in church or something else where, or in a small group, I think we've talked about this, where, where someone is praying something. I like was like, amen, like, yes. And I'm kind of like, yeah. because like, it's like, God, I know you want to do this and you can do it and you will do it. Like you will bring this change or you will bring this healing or you're able to do this and you have a plan for us in this way. And, um, I think there's a way to still worship a community in that. I'm not it's not really like a, a complaint as much as it is. It can lead to some uncomfortability, but then you, as you sort of recognize that there are actually other ways in thinking about the transcendent God. To your point, like there's sp- there can be space for this, and I, I think for me, a lot of the discovery of these call it additional frameworks or different perspectives is really less about a reaction. I, I'd like to think less about a reaction to where I've come from or what I have right now, and more about a genuine curiosity, interest in these other perspectives and my container just sort of widening, like, or growing, like my sort of, my ability to sit with, I don't want to say ability, sort of my comfortability in sitting with some of the tension, um, or some of these ways of thinking about God has, has grown. But at the same time, I think I I also, to be clear and fair, I, I think there's also ways of thinking about God that I'm like, Nah to use Jared's language. You know, I was just like, I was just like, I can't quite do that anymore.
1: And what are, what are those? What are, what are those, those different ones where you're kind of like, oh, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good, yeah, it's a good question. Um, First of all, any, uh, this is maybe not controversial at all, but any of the God's will stuff, like God has set, like has set this, Apart to happen. Like, I i don't think so. This idea that God doesn't know the future, which is something we'll talk about. Um, that's something that you, that you sort of adopted or that you're not. You're no, no, no. Sorry. About. So, that's something. So, the idea that God does, I should say it this way this idea that God does know the future and knows how this whole thing is going to play out exactly is just increasingly, if uncompelling is a word, not compelling to me for a few reasons. One, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense because there would have to be some sort of predeterminate, um, again, understanding of, and kind of this game will have already been played out. And it's sort of like, well, then why, like, what is is God just waiting around for like people to change their minds and come to salvation so that he can finally end this thing, wrap it up. Um, or is this a sort of continual process of unfolding of, of creation being renewed of sort of this, Uh, kind of moving toward, I should say, complete rebirth of like the world, like of the heavens and the earth and people to me is like, and that's something we'll talk about more, but the idea that it's all already set in stone. um, You know, I never really thought that about God's will anyway. Like, oh, well, God has this path intended for you. You know, I think the the path is narrow um, and, and there's certain characteristics and qualities of the narrow road, but where exactly that road goes for an individual's life, uh, I don't believe is predetermined by God. Now, then you have passages like huh, in Acts, okay. what is it, 19? Like God has determined the times and the places, you know, where men should live. And you do have these biblical passages that I'm like, yeah, well, that's really interesting. I, You could probably skirt your way around it. Well, I followed God to here and just followed the way of Jesus, which opened a door you know, to this, to move to this city and take on this job and marry this person. And so now I'm here in Atlanta and I could make the argument that God determined that by me, you know, committing to him and following him in each micro step. But 10 years ago, did God know I'd be sitting in Southwest Atlanta with, you know, two and a half kids, I should say two and to come kids and a wife of six or seven years. And in this particular house on this street, I don't think so um, I don't think that's something he's like etched out. Um, so that's, you know, we, we'll talk more about why that's heretical or not. Um, that's one example. And then I think you've really, you know, you, and frankly, you introduced me to a number of thinkers, including some we're going to have on the podcast, just even around ways of thinking about, about what God's able to do in terms of intervening and Mm -hmm. in terms of providence and getting involved with different things um, in terms of suffering and ending violence. And so, so the power conversation is really interesting. And the last one, there's more I'm sure, but the other um, is really around this idea of violence or a nonviolent God. I think that's probably one of the most compelling Um, And that is less maybe to do with the power, although it plays into the power conversation. But that's more around just an understanding of God as fundamentally like Jesus, which is, of course, something we've talked about on the podcast before. But that shift to me is probably the biggest shift of the last number of years for me. That transition to me, like all of a sudden when I'm reading some of these passages, be it in Judges or, you know, in the book of Acts when Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. I'm less, I am less, um, compelled or, uh, invested in this idea that like God, God is actively behind those decisions and that violent, those violent acts. In fact, I, I'd like to think I'm more or less think, you know, completely past that, that mm. framework. Does that make sense? It does. But I, I'm, I'm more. I mean, yeah. that's a lot. I can't just say our listeners are like, dude, but what about this? What about this? And I'm like, well, you're, you don't have the luxury of yeah. challenging me, <laughs> but I'm just throwing some stuff out. I mean, this is just to throw ideas out uh, there.
1: I mean, I, I think it's self-lossers to give the context, uh, but I, what what do you feel like, what happened that made you feel like you could do that and still, and still yeah. maintain Continuity, like, like with, with uh, as part of the Christian faith. Like, why for you were those shifts not departures from the Christian faith, but just kind of detours? Yes.
0: Because so it's like with the violence thing, I think my fundamental faith in Jesus and commitment to him as Lord, not to toot my own horn, but in terms of really where my allegiance and really where the confidence lies, I am willing to put everything on the line. In uh, meaning I'm willing to 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 be wrong in every other area. Um, I'm willing to be wrong about Jesus in some ways too, but what I mean is I'm willing to bank on commitment to his way as seen in the gospels as seen throughout the scriptures, in terms of this, the prophecies, really in terms of the scriptures as well as in terms of personal experience, the indwelling seal of the Holy Spirit and myself, the feedback from brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are also you know, full of the spirit, like with all of these witnesses, if you will, you know, I feel confident that if if Jesus actually is the first and the last, if he really is like the image of the invisible God and he doesn't do anything the father isn't doing and what he does is what the father does, um, I'm willing to back that even up against challenging Old Testament passages about violence. And I know that's not quite fair the way I'm just kind of throwing that out, but the... I, so what it was for me is one, someone and years of time and, and kind of reading prayer, listening to other thinkers, preachers who have been so centered on Jesus and him be again, God being like him and him, him being like God um, and, and God being like that image. Like if he is the indwelling of, of, you know, the law, if he's the fulfillment of the, all of the law and the prophets, and we see his way of self-sacrificing love, yeah. non-resistant giving love, then I'm willing to bet that God is actually like that. And that other ways of thinking about him, be it in the scriptures or in the wider world, um, are wrong at, at worst and at best just a little bit off center and have room to be corrected. And I think the way that fleshes out in the world, the way that kind of God shows up, um, to me is so compelling and this restorative justice is so much more compelling than anything punitive. So I think it's seeing that kind of coming to the revelation and the knowledge of this framework, and then actually in practice saying like, yeah, I'm okay with holding some of these other tensions because of, you know, most of my weight going towards that, uh, I don't know, that commitment to to Christ. Does that make sense? And curious if you think it's garbage.
1: No, I, it it does make, (laughs) I'm, I'm curious, I'll put you on the spot. Would you locate yourself, uh, on the progressive side of the faith or would you, would you you take on that label?
0: Um, yes and no. It probably depends. like who I'm talking to. Like I, I feel like, it depends like what that even means because I, uh, and not to get into all the nuance, I think that.
1: Well, like progressive, like all the regular stuff, right? Like, 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 uh, cusses all the time, didn't care about the Bible. Yeah, exactly. uh, A drunkard. Yeah. It doesn't, um, you know, lives in sort of persistent rebellion, just the regular stuff.
0: Like regular itching his own ears with what he wants to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so I'd say to some yes, to some no. I have no problem with it. I think it's limiting. We've talked about Brian McLaren's language, which I think is even more helpful. Kind of the you know more creative, what have you perspective versus preservation. I would not identify as conservative necessarily in some ways, and then other ways I totally would. Rooted in scripture, in prayer, believe in the sacraments, believe in you know every every number. The Bible, I believe in going to church. I believe in you know certain level of moral um framework uh, you know on a number of things including some of the things you just mentioned um so to some maybe to others not uh but i think kind of maybe the general open-handedness about these ways of thinking about god i'm not as i'm not as married to total orthodoxy um in terms of in terms of like having some of these these theological frameworks down pat and yeah. sort of sign seal delivered
1: okay
0: um yeah. So flip the script and yeah, you're right. We're coming up on 30 minutes and we're going to go over. Um, (laughs) But I think hopefully our people, some might care about this. What about for you? What have been, and maybe I'm sure there's overlap, but what have some of the core things been um, for you and sort of the framework shifts um, without dogging the past, right? Like what, where, and how is it, how has it helped? How has it actually transformed your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, everybody
1: gets in from somewhere. So like, you can't, what, yeah. what is that parable that Pete Rollins says? Like there's this, you know, guy who's a traveler and he comes, his name is probably Seamus or something. Right. And then oh yeah, he knocks on the door of an inn. He's trying to get directions for how to get the town. And, and and the innkeeper's like, well, the best way to get there, you definitely shouldn't start from here.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not... Like, yeah, well, I definitely wouldn't start here is kind of how it goes. right?
1: So that we all start from just wherever we are. And, 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 uh, for me, um, I think sort of a change in season of life uh, brought that that discomfort. Um, I mean, I had just a profoundly meaningful faith experience early on. I, I, I you know, I grew up in a great house and and I just was fortunate, uh, childhood and everything. Uh, and 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 my my faith experience. I mean, God was pretty. Uh, I guess kind of just. N- sort of normal american evangelical sort of idea um even though we weren't we wouldn't really consider ourselves evangelicals um we uh i mean i i i thought of god i guess as you know all, of course all powerful he knew everything um intensely personal uh but also you know his ways are not my ways and so there are just things that just don't make sense and that was kind of how i approached the question of suffering and evil and generally that, that actually that, that was sufficient it, it didn't really. I mean, it's not like I was like, okay, cool. And now I don't care about suffering, but I I still found some sort of meaning and purpose, and found some sort of meaning in thinking of the answer to the question of suffering, basically being, well, we just don't understand it. We may not see the meaning, but God does, because in the mind of God, His mind, His mind is infinitely deeper than ours, and He he's mm-hmm. able to account for things in a way that we just don't understand and so any of this sort of mystery and confusion this is just a reflection of our own sort of finiteness um and in some sort of cosmic picture it all makes sense and we just have to trust that um that that was fine for me um and and over time it it, it sort of wasn't i mean you know i had some missionary experiences uh with uh, some leprosy patients and AIDS and orphans and and things that uh, really, I guess kind of um, amplified the, that, that question of suffering. And, and, and of course, you know, the realization of just my own privilege and, and, oh my gosh, like how, God, you're in control of everything. And, and, and you put me here where I am and you put them where they are. And, you know, I would like have any, you know, like a journal of, you know, answered prayers or things like that. And I had, you know, meaningful answered prayers, but then it seemed like, well, are, it's not like those people aren't praying. I mean, what about their prayers? And and why would you answer my like small ones, relatively speaking, but not answer theirs? And right. um, so that was a sort of an example of, of how what was profoundly meaningful in that season ended up kind of becoming problematic and kind of the rock in my shoe in the next season or in another season. And so, um, gosh, now I mean, I, 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 I don't know how and end all the different specifics we want to
0: get into. I don't. i would be... well, and maybe transition us to. It'd be cool to kind of even tee up some of what's to yeah. come.
1: So, I, I, maybe the biggest shift was giving myself permission. Thanks, Dan, uh, for or to to consider these other different models and 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 just different ideas. Um, cause I think before I had such a, I, I was genuinely concerned about, um, uh, letting in, I, mean, I, I didn't want to just hear what my ears wanted to hear, right? Like I didn't want to scratch my own ears. I genuinely wanted to have an authentic, uh, yeah. m- faith and an obedience. And if that made me uncomfortable, then so be it. I, I, that's just part of the cross to bear. Um, and so part of that involved maybe not opening myself up to ideas that, that, that I, that I didn't agree with because i I didn't want to i wanted to be faithful i wanted to conserve the truth i wanted to 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 be um i wanted to uphold the truth which meant i needed to kind of keep myself closed off to these other ideas um and so as uh i began to open myself up to sort of going okay well if i'm going to be a christian i'm going to have to be i'm going to find some way to navigate my faith in a world where people disagree with me uh and 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 where i disagree with them and and where there's actually a lot more diversity than than i, I had thought originally um right so as a big end as i opened myself up to that i think that was that was the big shift because then it then uh and then it's like uh for me the the pressure was sort of off on like uh needing to have the the right model of god and I was now more free to kind of go. Okay, well, let me just see what all these have to offer and what I can see here. And 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 I think really, I mean, in, in going into this series, that to me is kind of the the objective. Like I, I I'm not. I mean, I, I probably kind of tipped my hand a little bit as far as you know which ones I find, uh, which you know, what's of the the three that we had that that I, that I find most compelling generally. Um, but I'm I'm not really interested in sort of arguing for a particular position and saying, hey. You know, whatever your model of God is, right. here's what it needs to be. Uh, I, I'm I'm more interested, I think, in 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 advocating for the inclusion of each of these voices in the conversation, because a lot yeah, of yeah, dude. When you know, when you're in that that place of just, um, you know, wanting to be genuinely faithful and holy to the truth, but you're the result is you're kind of tight fisted and and and, and, you, and it's very you're not really open to different ideas. Um, we won't even let people to the table. And, and really the, these folks have a gift to bring us. I mean, they, they do. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've received them and I've seen it, especially, this is the biggest thing. I think the issue of suffering and evil, I think these models of God really give us something to different and, and, and something that is, that is helpful for people when they're, when they're really hurting and they don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, you and I—we've we've been tremendously fortunate, I guess, in not really having like you know, major personal tragedy, but uh, we have close friends that have, and 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 you know, for people like that, the idea of God being somehow all powerful and 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 present to me, you know, in whatever sexual abuse happened as a kid. Uh, or having the ability to step in and intervene, uh, but deciding not to for some sort of greater cosmic plan. Yeah, you know, that works when things are kind of in the abstract, but when it's like when it's like your own abuse, or when it's you know the the the, the death of your child, or or these really intense, heavy things. I mean, it becomes problematic. And so I, I think being you know the lady podcast, getting back to what we're wanting to do is. We want we want communities of faith to be places where there can be some diverse theological conversation. This is a place where I think we need some more diversity at the table, because for those people, there there I think there are people that kind of kind of sink in their in their seats, like their stomach kind of just drops uh, when 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 the man, when when the the response to suffering is generally well, God's got a plan and. Mm even when it comes from a good place, uh,
0: it's insufficient, man. It
1: it, it can be. Yeah. I I mean, and and these are, I mean, you know, these these are our brothers and sisters. So if for no other reason than, than out of consideration for them, I think we should have these voices at the table. Yeah. The concern that to welcome these other voices, uh, is to, you know, capitulate the culture or to, to, I, I, I don't find that particularly helpful because whatever model of God you have as a product of a culture, uh, Already, so a lot of the ways that we right. You know, if you remember when you would buy, when people actually would go and buy desktop computers, uh, you would you you buy it and it kind of comes with the software already on the computer. Our minds are like that, and and there are these ideas and frameworks that just come baked in because of where we have come from in time and space, and. A lot of those ideas come from the, the world Greek philosophy. We're not going to go into all those different details. Um, there's a great book, actually, um, by uh, Clark Pinnock and others called The Openness of God, and they have a really good chapter in there on some of these historical considerations. But in short, um, a lot of our ideas of God basically come from the fact that Christianity was birthed in a, from, from a, it was essentially Judaism, it wasn't a separate religion, just a sort of a sect, and eventually, what ended up happening was the the Gentile Gentiles sort of outnumbered the the Jews, and the stock and trade uh, of, of truth was Greek philosophy. So, if the Christianity was going to be true, it would have to deal in Greek philosophy. It would need to stand up right. according to the rules of this philosophical system. Now there's actually a number of different philosophical systems, Plato, Aristotle, the Stoics, whatever. So there's, there's different ones. Um, but along the way, uh, what ended up happening was like, so th- those, these, like, so for example, this idea that, that God is, um, uh, is, 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 uh, beyond time and space and sort of, uh, that, that's not a particularly Jewish model. I mean, for the Jews, like, uh, I love what Heschel yeah. says, like, for, <laughs> the Jews, we don't, we don't have a, uh, for us, it's, it's, it's time that is sacred. Uh, Time is now our temple. And really in some sense that it always was Uh, that's that when you look at the, the the rhythms that are prescribed for the Jewish community, I mean, there's something in time that God uh, is continually meeting them in. Um, And that's what all these different, you know, festivals and whatnot are for. So, uh or, or or another one could be that you know the impassibility of god this is sort of a technical theological term but it, in essence it's the idea that like god is um is in ultimately sort of unaffected by us like nothing that we can do can change god uh, because a change would be changed is sort of presumed to be from a less desirable state to a more desirable state when god is clearly like the most desirable thing period or the, the most perfect thing. So you cannot change. Uh, so hmm. th- these, these ideas then to get baked into, uh, I mean, beginning with Philo who sort of brought, uh, it sort of helped translate between thinking and Greek philosophy. And then ultimately, I mean, they have the, the, the early Christian apologists, um, some of our great thinkers in the faith, uh, it's, these ideas really aren't inherently, they're not in the Bible. Like, like, I mean, the models of God presented in the Bible, Like, there's actually, I think, I think there's somewhat of a shift just in the Bible itself. Um, the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, I prefer to call them. Um, th- there are places sort of early on where God functions almost as like a, like a, a chairman of the divine board. Um, uh, there, you know, there's, there's, hmm some maybe like other like divine beings or um there's, there's the and he they all kind of consult with him and he sends them out and does these different things but then you don't really see as much of that like in the prophets or in um uh yeah you know, especially once you get to the to the Christian scriptures um there's there's not really much talk about about that. I mean you know the, the the other sort of divine beings aren't really part of God's counsel. Uh they're they're actually like a, a, a they're like an opposing force. Um so I think there's precedent for it uh, and I think that our current uh, there's precedent in the, in the Bible for for questioning our models and our we should question it too because our model is cultural already. So
0: yeah. Well and and what you just pointed out is that even these frameworks of God ways of thinking about God seem to show up differently throughout the yeah. scriptures. Yeah. Like there's like the Bible is almost a precedent for the these shifts and understandings, different perspectives, et cetera. And so it, it only makes sense that we, you know, employ a similar model or some way of thinking today. And we do come, you know, we, we come pre-programmed with some sort of disposition. And there,
1: and there are legitimate concerns, of course, to be addressed with that, you know, we we'll, you know, right. You know, we can, we can talk about those later, but uh, so, and, and, and I think the, 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 the models that we're going to talk about are in sort of the, generally the family, of open and relational frameworks for thinking about god and by open and relational what we're talking about is is a couple of things well one the open part is primarily about the future um you mentioned this earlier uh one way of thinking about god is to say that god knows all things that are ever going to happen is everything's predestined and determined and things get really weird when you start thinking about freedom in that context like what does it mean for me to make a choice god i right. knew that i was yeah. going to make a choice there are some responses to that there's this whole sort of middle knowledge thing where it's like well god uh god knows what you would do in every situation and so he's able to set things up such that you're in a you're you're you're, you're able then to make your own choice freely but he knows what you were going to do that stuff just gets weird you feel like you're going to pull a muscle with all that kind of stuff but yeah <laughs> <laughs> open and relational the open, the open side basically says that the future was genuinely open it's not determined god if from, i think all of them would say that god is all knowing in that he is present to all to he, he is, knows everything that can be known in this moment and everything that came before this moment but the next moment is not here yet and so there's nothing to know so that there's a little bit of a difference in in how in God's sort of hmm. relationship to time. In one, God is outside of time. Uh, in another, God is sort of or you could say God is in time, or maybe perhaps time is inside of God. And so he's then able to be present to it to time, um, maybe in the way that like you know, we are in some sense present to the cells of our body even though those whatever happens to those cells isn't actually our whole body. And, you know, there's, you know, whatever, there's all kinds of ways we can think about that. Uh, yeah. So that's one thing. The, the the future was genuinely, genuinely open. It's not determined. And, and we then are God calls us to sort of be partners with him in making that future. Now he has a desire for that future. Uh, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a will for the future. Uh, but it's yet to have, what exactly is yet to happen? We don't really know, and by desire, I mean I think more genu- mm. generally, like what he wants. I mean, the the shalom, the 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 peace, the the, the God, the all things being brought under uh, under him in 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 you know unity. Uh, more broadly, is, is is his will? I think is more kind of a broad will, not so much a specific outcome for all the different types of things that can happen. So that's the open part relational component is then it, it. it kind of pushes against that impassibility uh to so that actually god what we do really does matter it actually does has the ability to affect god and to maybe even change god so um it's, uh, so people who would who would hold to the, to the to this idea that god is impassable w- would take all the language where god like repents i think it's in hosea or god you know changes his mind like in jonah um They would say, well, that's just sort of anthropomorphism. God didn't really change his mind. He knew this was going to happen. This is all just sort of metaphor for us to understand it. No, okay. I mean, you can make that move, but we should be clear that like you're making that move not on the basis of the typically, but on the basis of a a predetermined, uh, you know, framework and which is a legitimate way to interact with the text but it's just one of many other legitimate ways of interacting with the text. So the the mm-hmm. relational component says well another legitimate way to interact with the text is would be to say that that interacting that 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 no god actually what we do does have the ability to affect god. Um doesn't mean that god is capricious or that god is is somehow fickle and can't quite decide what he wants to do. But what we do and say and, and what happens to us has the ability to, to to profoundly affect God, and I think that's powerful. We see some presidents for this, and Abraham, you know, negotiating with God, and um, uh, let's see. I think you could also see it in like I mean, like with with what happened with um, the Ninevites, the story of Jonah. Um, there's a lot of so there there's 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 a number of examples we could look at. Uh, but the idea that God is present to us in relationship and then that relationship is reciprocal. What what he does changes us and what we do sort of changes him, not like changes his nature or changes who he really is, but has a, has an effect that can actually change things. Um, hmm. Hmm. And usually in relational frameworks there's also, there's also a major emphasis on God's uh, God's, profound deep personal presence to all things all people everywhere at all times even and especially in our suffering so often Mm, i love that you know the cry of god where are you in my suffering the the in a relational mindset the 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 immediate response is god is god is the one crying out in you god (laughs) he's He's suffering with you. He's there yeah. with you. He's meeting yeah. you in this, and and before anything else, God is hurting as well. I think that's part of the sort of profound pastoral uh, benefit of, of opening ourselves up to some, at least to what these folks had to say, uh, regardless of you know whether or not you want to join their camp or wear their jersey at the end of the podcast series. Who cares? Uh, just let them let them at the table and see what they have to bring you.
0: Gosh, I love that. That's really, really helpful. Um, well, I, I think hopefully for our listeners, that gives us like a little bit, gives you a little bit of uh, of insight into where we're headed. Stephen, thanks for diving into that explanation. I think it tees it up well. I think, and for those of you who have thought about the subject, you know, I think you'll you'll enjoy what's to come. For those of you who haven't, stick around for the ride. I think that the guests we're going to have on, um, and full disclosure, we've already recorded these conversations over the last couple of weeks, we're going to air them here in the next, in the next few. And I think you'll find them very accessible um, in terms of just the language. And in ter- like it's not over the top theologically in terms of complexity and depth and is in many ways very pragmatic and um, I should say relevant uh, to kind of daily life here so man does it make steven do you want to like tee up any of those people specifically or should we just let let this thing unfold here briefly
1: so you know inside of open relational theology you've got the nice thing about it it's a big umbrella and there's liberals and conservatives alike so uh if you're a conservatively oriented person there's no need to be worried here you've got lots of friends in this camp uh we've got um um um, we we've, we've already got one of them who's Sort of in the camp, and then I've got another one we're hoping to try to line up right down the road. But um, so there's 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 you know evangelicals. There's also you know progressive Christians, all kind of inside of this. So we're going to have uh, process theology, which is pretty interesting. You can you can uh, look it up online if you want. Essentially, it's it's a it's a way of thinking theologically that's based on a sort of a philosophical framework um, from Alfred North Whitehead. Um, he's really the one who kind of put, I think words and sort of a system to it um but the way of thinking i think has been around for much longer um we're so we got a jewish process thinker then we've, we've also got somebody who uh something called essential kenosis this is going to come from uh, another thinker um that's probably the model What's on that i'm closest to uh even though like i said i think god is god sits in the space between the models so
0: Oh, I like that. You got to coin that. Uh,
1: yeah, man. Trademark that. We're selling some coffee mugs, shirts. Use it on our website. Merch it. There you go, man. Uh, and then we're going to get a, a Christian sort of progressive thinker um, and then a process theologian. And then also um, hoping to get an open theist, uh, which is probably going to be more on the conservative end of things.
0: I love it. Great. Well, man, anything else you think we should hit? here and now i think we've said said a bit hopefully teed up
1: enough Uh, i don't know man i I think no i I think this is good i'm excited
0: nice well everyone thanks for tuning in i agree this has been i agree we really just slayed that um i think that will hopefully give people some things to chew on um but yeah guys stay tuned we'll release the next episode in about uh about a week or so and looking forward to having you along for the ride with us thanks a lot